Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as we are going to get into the thick of the weeds on the numbers today. Uh, this is the day that we're going to do lineup data for the first time of the season. I wanted to hold off on this until we had a significant sample size, but we're over one-sixth of the way through the year. 13 games, 72 total to be played. Uh, 12 would have been the one-sixth mark. Uh, this is going to be something I want to do frequently so that everybody is up-to-date, un- understanding, knowledgeable on which combinations are working, which combinations are not working. So I'm going to talk about that in the first segment, and then I'm going to talk about reincorporating Michael Porter Jr. back into the second segment because today during media day, uh, or not media day, uh, media session, Michael Malone referred to Michael Porter Jr. as our starting small forward. So I thought that that was pretty illuminating on what his role is going to be when he does return. But before that, let's get into some lineup data. Okay, I'm going to break this down in a variety of categories, and I'm just going to ask people to bear with me. If you like numbers, this is going to be the podcast for you. I've kind of dovetailed away from a bunch of numbers in my previous podcasts because it's not as interesting to listen to me rattling off a whole bunch of uh, numbers, a whole bunch of data, and then just assuming that you can come to your conclusions. So after each section, I'm going to help draw some conclusions from those numbers, from that data, to see what we can figure out together, understand what what is going on right now, and why the Nuggets are 6-7. and seven. I think that's the most important factor here. So let's get into it. The top four most played lineups of the season so far. These are the lineups with greater than 30 minutes. There is one that stands out over the rest, and then there are three others that have crossed that threshold. The first lineup, the lineup that has played the most, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. This is the starting lineup. This is the group that took over when Michael Porter Jr. was uh, removed due to safety protocols, COVID, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it at this point. Uh, this is the lineup that the Nuggets have had and have run for the greater part of the last three and a half years. Uh, Chandler uh, Wilson Chandler did start during the 2017-18 season, but Will Barton was a big part of that Nuggets team, and he was very prevalent in that lineup and in those in that same grouping too. So it really has been Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic for most of this tenure, for the greater part of the last half decade. So I think it's important to to start at that threshold. That lineup is plus 35 in 128 minutes. They have been good on offense. They have been uh subpar on defense, but they've been so good on offense that things have really they've they've been fine. 
Jokic has such great chemistry with those starters, with those players, that even though Gary Harris, Will Barton, sometimes even Millsap have really struggled offensively for the most part, that lineup is still cooked offensively because of how great Jokic has been. Murray has also had his ups and downs, but when that starting group is out there is when Murray is at his best, I feel. He knows his role, he understands what he's supposed to be doing, and he plays really well with that group. The second lineup, the one this one has played 48 minutes and is minus 9. Murray, Harris, Porter, Millsap, Jokic. This is the group that started the season. This is the group that struggled over the course of three games. Uh, the first to Sacramento, the next to the Los Angeles Clippers, and the third to the Houston Rockets. Uh, they were about even in the Houston Rockets game, but uh, against the uh, against the Clippers and against the Kings, that group struggled a little bit. The next group is Facundo Campasso, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Jermichael Green, and Isaiah Hartenstein. They're plus 16 in 36 minutes. This is the full bench unit. This is the group that once Jermichael Green returned, he really stabilized this unit. I will say, there was a unit like this last season that had a massive performance against the New York Knicks early in the year. That unit was Monte Morris, uh... Tory Craig, Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez. Actually, oh, let me let me rephrase that. It was Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. That group last year had like a plus thirty against the New York Knicks, and for the rest of the year, it looked like this massively positive unit. However, they had just played the New York Knicks, and that's the reason why that lineup data was suspect. So. You have to take all of these numbers with a grain of salt, especially the ones like those like this one where they've played 36 minutes in total. We saw this group, uh, Faku, Morris, Dozier, Green, Hartenstein. They really struggled against the Utah Jazz, and for good reason. That team is very talented. They are not the New York Knicks. So I think it's important, again, just take this with a grain of salt. Number four. Morris, Harris, Porter, Millsap, Jokic. This lineup played uh, across three games, but it played mostly against the Sacramento Kings in the back-to-back without Jamal Murray. Uh, They were really, really good offensively and horrendous defensively. Uh, The Kings shot really well in that game, but the Nuggets did themselves no favors. Uh, That that was a, a really bad performance, but take this lineup once again with a grain of salt. It was basically one game. Okay, let's transition. Most successful lineups on offense thus far. You have the starting unit, which in 128 minutes has put up a 128 offensive rating. That is incredible. That would be historic. Another lineup, Morris, Harris, Porter, Millsap, Jokic, the one that I just referenced against the, against the Kings on a back-to-back. 120 offensive rating in 31 minutes. They gave up a 134 defensive rating. That's really bad. Number three, Murray, Barton, Bull, Millsap, Jokic. This is a lineup that's only seen two games, I believe, and there was the two times that Bull Bull received the start. He started against the Brooklyn Nets. He started against the Golden State Warriors. Both times, the offense was very good, for the most part. 119.6 offensive rating in 25 total minutes. Unfortunately, the defensive rating was also the same, 119.6 defensive rating. 
Number four, Compazzo, Morris, Dozier, Green, Jokic. That lineup has played only 16 total minutes, but it has a 128 offensive rating. And as we're going to find out in the next segment, a 73.5 defensive rating. That lineup has been great. Let me read it again. Compazzo, Morris, Dozier, Green, Jokic. I think it's important to note who's there. It's basically Jokic with the bench. Compazzo, Morris, Dozier, they all have ball handling capability. They all are all smart offensive players. They know how to cut. Jamichael Green, same thing. He knows how to duck in, post up. He can spot up, space the floor. He knows what he's doing. But that team, or that, that lineup, being as good as it is defensively in addition to the offensive numbers, it's a really interesting sign for how Denver may want to construct their rotations going forward. I wouldn't go to it very frequently, but it is a good idea that if Jokic does get into foul trouble in certain games, then he can come into the early second, early fourth quarter, play with the bench, and potentially have some very successful time with them. The most successful lineups on defense now. Compazzo, Morris, Dozier, Green, Hartenstein. 91.5 defensive rating in 36 minutes. 114.1 offensive rating. That has Those numbers have since kind of normalized a little bit because of the Jazz game. Uh, these numbers were, were taken after that Jazz game, so it has normalized a bit. It was even better before then. Uh, that group, given the ball handling, given the spacing of Jermichael Green, given the offensive rebounding capability of Hartenstein, his dive capability as a role man, there are ways for that lineup to create good offense. However... It's one of those lineups where I don't really trust that offensive rating yet. I think we need to see it against teams that aren't the New York Knicks before really making a judgment there. Number two, Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, Isaiah Hartenstein. In 17 minutes, that group has a 61 defensive rating. 61. That's four guards. Four, honestly, combo guard, point guard types. Dozier's playing the power forward position next to Isaiah Hartenstein. And I think that is a strong indicator in the favor that Isaiah Hartenstein, despite some early season struggles, despite his, his ability to, his, his constant fouling, there are some definite benefits to having him off the floor. He does provide some great things when he's on the floor defensively. And offensively for that matter. Uh, surrounding him with smaller, quicker players is very helpful. Jamichael Green can also fly there because he shoots 50% from three right now. That's very, very good. He's also very smart. Offensive rebounds reasonably well. Uh, but overall, with Isaiah Hartenstein out there, the Nuggets have had some success defensively. Monte Morris has also been out there. P.J. Dozier has also been out there. Those three smart defenders uh, Morris is, of course, limited by his size, but Dozier is not. Uh, Hartenstein is not. They have done a really nice job of, of stabilizing things at least a little bit. Number three, Compazzo, Morris, Dozier, Green, and Jokic. So the Green-Jokic combo shows up again. The Morris-Green-Jokic shows up again. 73.5 defensive rating, 16 minutes. It's that same lineup as I spoke about before offensively. I think that lineup is legit. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Nuggets decided to go back to it at some point. Combinations that work with Jokic. So far, Compasso 
has a plus 35 net rating in 51 minutes. Again, small sample size, but it's worth noting. Jamichael Green, same thing. Plus 26.7 net rating in 85 minutes. He has done a really nice job. Uh, he fits well around Jokic. He cuts around him well. Covers for his mistakes defensively. They cover for each other well, actually. Added size means improved rebounding. And then Green, of course, if he's shooting 50% from three, that really helps. He's done a great job, and I think the team should be looking to maximize his time with Jokic at various points because it's it's getting it's getting to the point where I think that he should be the starter. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the only person who doesn't have a positive net rating with Nikola Jokic is Michael Porter Jr. It's, of course, colored by four games in which the defense looked like a disaster. Uh, minus 6.2 net rating in 106 minutes due to a 123.5 defensive rating between the pair. Um, there have only been 19 total minutes for that Porter-Jokic combo that haven't included Millsap. And those those minutes have been net neutral. I am concerned about Millsap for this reason. I think that if you decide that you want to put Porter back into the starting group, you need some athleticism. You need some perimeter capability around the Porter-Jokic combination. Porter will figure it out offensively. He always does. But so much of what Millsap provides from a defensive perspective is what you want Porter to be doing. You want him to be rotating on the back line. Whether he's doing it well or not remains to be seen, but you have to have good quality defensive perimeter talent around the Porter-Jokic group. And I just don't think that Millsap can cover on the perimeter anymore. There are things that he used to be able to do that doesn't really seem to work this year. The Nuggets have had some pretty bad matchups against him or with him, but against Utah, it was Bogdanovich and, and Royce O'Neal. They combined for seven threes in, in that game, and that's kind of what won Utah that game. Uh, against the Phoenix Suns, it was the combination of Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, Jay Crowder, even Dario Saric. Uh, those guys, are they, they figure it out. They space the floor really well for their guards in their center. Um, and then there was another one that I'm, I'm not remember. Oh, the Kings, of course. When when you have the Kings, when you play the Kings, uh, Harrison Barnes, Nemanja Bielitsa, those guys shoot the hell out of the ball. And when you're rotated off of them, that means you're you're guarding either De'Aaron Fox, who can get to the rim in a flash, or Buddy Heald, who you have to guard him at 28, 30 feet, or else he's going to shoot over you and make them. So I think that Porter isn't necessarily a power forward. I wouldn't necessarily call Porter a power forward just yet, but I do think the Nuggets, if they're going to play Porter at small forward, they need to have a mobile power forward next to them. And, and right now, I think that Jermichael Green is that player. Um, whether it works, whether it doesn't, that you have to try it before you do, before you really figure anything out. I would like to see Porter and Green play some games together, uh, see if they could develop some chemistry, uh, whether that's as, as a bench tandem or whether that's with Jokic. It, I, I don't really know, but those two remind me of Porter Grant, and that lineup worked really well, especially in the playoffs, because it had the versatility necessary 
to match up with different teams. Uh, I don't know if that if there is that same lineup this year, but if it is, it's with Green and not with Millsap. So we'll have to talk about it at some point soon. Uh, maybe if down the line we get some extra data with the Porter-Green combination, then we can figure that out. But uh, let's move on. Combinations that definitely don't work with uh, that haven't worked much this season is the bench units overall. Uh, they they have found some semblance of rhythm with Hartenstein and Green in there, but when it's either one of those guys or it was Bull Bull at the beginning of the year or it was four guards with Green, uh, it wasn't really working. And then the starters with Jokic or without Jokic is a problem as well. They've built their entire lineup without Jokic. or No, they've built their entire lineup with Jokic in mind. That group has become very dependent on Jokic. It's it's Murray, it's Millsap, it's even Barton and Harris. Those guys, if they don't have Jokic to really set the table, then it's a very big struggle unless Murray can get it going or else uh, Millsap or even uh, Green, if he's out there, he's been that main guy most of the time. If either of those guys get it, get it from pick and pop distance for three, then that's great. That's awesome. But like, it's not a perfect setup. And I know it's not a perfect setup because the the numbers with Murray without Jokic are basically net neutral. But Murray's usage when Jokic is off the floor is only 19.4%, which is really low. Uh, and it's affected when, when he's with the bench. He's got several ball handlers. When it's with the starting lineup, that group just doesn't really know what it's doing. Uh, so that's something that I'm definitely concerned about. And I think people should be concerned about that unless Denver can can really tighten up those rotations, then it's going to look a little funky. It's going to look a little weird when Porter does return. Um, Three-man pairings, I want to see more. I've got four listed here. I want to see the Porter-Green-Jokic combination more uh, for reasons that I've already specified. I want to see Morris, Barton, and Dozier with two bigs or with Porter and a big. Uh, whether that's Jokic, whether it's Hartenstein, whether it's Millsap and Green, whether it's Porter in one of those two, I want to see it. I want to see what Morris, Barton, and Dozier can do all together. Morris is that stabilizer. Barton is the juice. Dozier can kind of uh, cover for every every facet there. He's got the defensive talent. He's versatile enough. Um, that's the that's the trio that I think is going to anchor Denver's bench unit. Uh, along with Jermichael Green, unless Millsap is subbed in for him. Uh, so I, I want to see what those three look like together, Morris, Barton, and Dozier. And then I want to see Murray, Porter, and Jokic, of course. That group, uh, as always, anybody should want to see that. But if it's not those three, then I want to see Morris, Murray, and Porter without Jokic. I think there's definitely an opportunity for those three that if they were to find a way to work together, whether it's pick and pop with Murray and Porter, whether it's pick and pop with Porter, uh, with, with Morris, whether Murray is running off screens, whether Porter's running off screens, whether Morris is just running pick and roll with another big, uh, while Murray and Porter are spotting up. I think there are a lot of different ways to use that trio that could help Denver get through some of those non Jokic minutes. And it doesn't rely going full bench at that point. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how it works. 
Uh, but those are some numbers. Those are some some lineup data things that I, I think people should know. I think people should be I- intrigued about. Um, right now, we're, we're in kind of an impasse because we haven't seen Porter. And a lot of this lineup data is going to look very, very different another 13 games from now. So I'm going to revisit it at some point. We're going to we're going to look at things more in depth once there's a larger sample. If the defense is still bad with Porter out there, if uh, Jokic is still negative with Porter, or if there are still or if there are other combinations that have kind of surfaced that haven't done well, uh, we're going to find out. I'm looking forward to it. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Porter decision in depth, what his role is going to be when he returns. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Only two segments for me today. Uh, We're in an off day, uh, but, but on the day that you're listening to this, the Nuggets will be playing... I believe the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, who have been a dangerous team for sure. Uh, their record is a lot better than, than one might expect. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is better than one might expect as well. So Denver's going to have their hands full with him. And I don't think that Harris is well-equipped to deal with him. Uh, and I definitely don't think Murray or Barton are. So that's going to be a decision that I think is going to be interesting for Michael Malone. Going to look for a lot of P.J. Dozier on on Shea Gilgis-Alexander, in my opinion. We'll see how that goes. For now, though, let's talk about Porter again, because that's kind of how this is all centered. Uh, what is Michael Porter Jr.'s role going to look like when he returns? I think it's been, it's been postured that it could be as a bench player. He could be eased back into things before deciding whether he should be a starter or not. I think there's some some merit to that. Denver's found some good use out of their starting unit, out of their their old group. Uh, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic against most teams is going to be pretty good. Denver's problem in that group has been when they go away from it, has been when they when they start experimenting with other combinations. I don't know if that's necessarily what Denver wants to do though, and it kind of got me thinking. Because there, there's been a lot of, uh, I would say it's clunky. I would say the, the starting lineup with Porter has been clunky. Uh, the fit hasn't been perfect. There, there seems to be some things wrong, mostly defensive. But I wanted to take a, a, a kind of zero in on Porter's offensive role uh, with that group. So what I did was over the first four games, uh, Porter took, I think, 53 total shots. Uh, he averaged about... Uh, 13 per game is what I would say. Uh, I wanted to look at how many times Michael Porter Jr. actually hijacked a possession because 
the Murray-Jokic offense is, is always going to be good. Jokic has been unbelievable, especially without, like, not especially without Porter, but, like, while Porter has been gone, uh, Murray has been up and down, Jokic has been fantastic, and the offense has been humming. So I wanted to look at, from those first four games, what Michael Porter Jr.'s shots actually looked like, because there has been some posturing that if he is hijacking possessions, that's an issue. That's something that Denver's offense can't deal with. And it might actually fit better on the bench unit if if he's going to end up doing that. So the data that I found, I, I went through every clip. I went through every possession. Uh, there were 13 possessions across those four games where I could definitely see Porter hijacking that possession. It wasn't within the flow of the offense. It was him breaking from what the Nuggets should be trying to do. Uh, there was one called play in there that Porter was supposed to probably isolate, but I included it anyway, uh, because once he starts isolating, it, it means that the rest of the team isn't really doing anything or expecting the ball. and Or if they are doing something, then they're not getting the ball anyway. So 13 total possessions, and on those 13 possessions, he scored five times. It was a 38.5% success rate. But the larger thing here is that it averaged out to about three times per game. Over the course of his four games, he over a course, it was about three times in each game at various moments where he kind of freestyled. He did his own thing. He went to the rim. He pulled up from three. He, he stopped and popped in the mid-range. Uh, he does it on occasion, but frequently enough that it's noticeable from Denver's star players, especially Jokic, that they can get a little annoyed. But it hasn't happened that often. It's roughly about 25% of Porter's possessions, though. 13 of his total possessions for Denver, but that's almost out of 400 total possessions for Denver in their first four games. And I think why it stands out as much as it does is because hijacking a possession is a very loud visual. You see those images in your head where Porter visually just says, no, I'm going to shoot and I'm not going to run the offense this possession. It's a very loud thing. It stands out a lot in the mind, but he actually hasn't really done it that much. Most of the time, those come from isolations, pick-and-roll possessions, post-ups, things of that nature. What I found on Synergy was that 24% of his possessions have come on spot-ups, where he catches the ball and and shoots or drives. 26% of his possessions have come in transition, where he believes he has an advantage and 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 not necessarily forces up a shot, but if it's open, he'll take it. Porter, I think, has largely tried to play within the offense. He's tried to play through the flow. He'll occasionally fire up an ill-conceived shot or two, but I, I do want to give him credit that When going back through the numbers, I expected it to be a lot higher. I expected to see more times where where he actually hijacked the possession. Uh, 13 times in four games is, it's not a lot, but it's significant. It's significant enough to uh, really like, like point it out, especially if Jokic is as annoyed about it as he visually looks on screen. Uh, So... I still think that given what he does and given the spot-ups, given the transition, given the ability to use him in a variety of ways, whether it's on cuts, handoffs, uh, 
even some post-ups and some, some other things, I think he can fill his position that he vacated as a small forward. I think it would be the right decision. And here's why. I came up with four reasons. The first is that the Nuggets need size on the wing. They need athleticism in that starting unit. Right now, Murray and Jokic are the guys who are, who are being asked to do a lot. Barton is asked to do a lot on occasion as well, but less frequently. And he hasn't been as effective when he's driving to the rim. And that's what you need when you are going to be a playmaker. You can't be an inefficient driver. And, and unfortunately, Barton so far has he shot 35% on his drives, which is the lowest percentage in the NBA. Denver can't have that from a prime, like somebody they expect to operate every single time. Other teams don't necessarily have that luxury, but Denver does. They they have the ability to say, no, we're going to go with the Murray, uh, the Murray Jokic pick and roll. And when we don't go with that, we'll go with Porter as kind of the, the main driver of things. He still has to be effective, though. He still has to try to make the right play, uh, not just call his own number. I don't think he's going to, but sometimes he can't help it. Sometimes there are there are things that will will make it difficult for him. Um, but the first reason was that the need for size on the wing, the need for athleticism, somebody to get to the rim, somebody to put pressure there, somebody to shoot over double teams. Uh, not not necessarily double teams, but like in a, in a situation where Gary Harris or, or Will Barton would pump fake and try and drive. Porter at 6'10", 6'11", has the ability to rise and fire. And that opens up the paint even more. In addition to the offensive side, the defensive end, it will give Denver a little bit more versatility on that end. If they have somebody that they could then slide to the four that they like in that position. Malone is going to trust Morris. He's going to trust Dozier. But right now, he doesn't have a great person to trust a power forward to close games. It's been Dozier lately, but when Green is on the floor, when he comes in at the middle of the third quarter, Malone can either close with him and play him 18 straight minutes, or he can go with somebody else, and and lately that's been the decision that he goes with. Green just can't play that many minutes, and so adding Porter back into the starting lineup on in that case, he can close the games at power forward instead and still have the necessary size on the wing and athleticism that will give Denver an advantage. The second reason, Gary Harris and Will Barton, they have had their struggles offensively. And boiling it down simply to that, it will in inserting Porter into that situation will give Denver more consistency and they'll be able to build a defense around knowing that their offense is going to be there. I expect Porter to continue to be putting up points offensively. As long as he gets the shots, he'll put up points. He's, he's that talented. He's that good. Um, he may have an opportunity where he, he goes for 10 points or where he goes for 30. But there have been too many times where Denver starters have put up two or four or zero. And that just can't happen. Like, if they're going to play... 25 plus minutes, then the Nuggets are going to need them to be a threat on a more consistent basis. And Michael Porter Jr. is a threat to shoot, if anything else. Number three, the bench has started to find a rhythm. 
if you introduce Porter into the bench unit, then that rhythm is a little bit disrupted. Uh, Green has excelled as the power forward next to Hartenstein. He can slide to center on occasion. I do think that if you put Porter as the small forward instead of Dozier, that sort of ruins some things and some of the identity that they had. Uh, There are some advantages that they may have, but the the perimeter defense is going to struggle for sure. And I don't know if the offense is going to get that much better than what it was. Uh, Porter will just get more shots. And maybe that's what people want, but I, I don't know if I necessarily think that that's a good thing. Um, I do think that Porter should spend some time with the bench, but I wouldn't make him a full staple. Just because he has to find as much of that rhythm with Murray and Jokic as he possibly can. That's how Denver's future is going to be graded out, and... If they get comfortable together, then then everything kind of dovetails and, and things matter less at that point because Murray, Porter, and Jokic work. So I think that Denver has to look at it from that prism. Number four is that he's just a talented player. He's the most talented player and the, the most talented option at the small forward position. And I think that the Nuggets are relying on that. They're relying on somebody who they can count on for outbursts on on various cases. Uh, they need that volatility. They need somebody who's who can get hot, who can be a flamethrower out there. There's a certain cap to what uh, Harris and Barton can be on, on the offensive end, but Porter, has he just has this incredible ability to rack up points in bunches when he's got it going. And having that in addition to the base of the Murray-Jokic game I think that's really important. It could give them some extra breathing room for sure. So, Porter is the starter. That will likely move one of Harris or Barton to the bench. I would say it's likely Barton, though it could be either of them. Here are some ways to help out Porter defensively, because I think that that's probably everybody's biggest concern at this point. It's not the offense for me. I think they will figure it out. It's the defense. One, I think Denver should stagger Porter's minutes to play with Jamichael Green as much as possible. I think Green can cover for him athletically. He's a smart, willing, full-on effort player who has that physicality. Uh, Porter is going to give him an opportunity that if if Porter is playing the three and Green is playing the four and they get cross-matched, Green is going to cover for him on that perimeter. He's going to do the best he can. And then you've got Porter battling with a power forward for defensive rebounding position. And that's okay. You can deal with that. Porter just has to he has to continue to try. He has to do everything that he needs to do. But that's a switch that I don't mind. I think the Porter and Millsap switch is really tough. Because if you have Millsap on the perimeter, that's a, that's a dangerous prospect. Especially now. So, personally, I would start Jamichael Green. I would start him in between Porter and Jokic because I think that's going to be Denver's best lineup at the end of the year. I'm going to take a victory lap on this one because I think I was right about the Porter-Grant-Jokic lineup. That's something that I think the Denver should have explored more frequently last year and something that had they had more capability to really explore with that, I think that that would be a, a much more ingrained thing in the regular season and in the playoffs and people would be more comfortable with that. And then maybe you get Porter on the floor more frequently in the playoffs. Um, 
I think that they can't miss that opportunity again. And if you have a great player like you do with Jamichael Green, and he's outplayed Millsap to this point, he's been more impactful. I think that that's something that Denver should seriously consider. Maybe not in the next five to ten games, but maybe not even until the game thirty-six mark, where the where the schedule currently ends. But Green is somebody that I think Denver, unless they plan on trading for an upgrade, I think that Green is going to be the guy that starts and plays in the playoffs. And that's a that's something that Denver has to watch out for because they they need to get accustomed to that. Another thing that Denver can do to uh, to kind of help out Porter defensively, switch him more, but send the late double team like the team does with Jokic. That way you don't get burned consistently when if he is doubled or if he is if he is in a mismatch situation, let's say it's against Donovan Mitchell. You double off of somebody on the perimeter, just start the rotation process, ask your players to rotate, and they will rotate, and you might give up something at the rim. You might give up an open three here or there, but it gives Porter at least a little bit of comfort knowing that he's not going to be on an island the entire time. The other thing that you could do to help him out defensively is just trial by fire. That dude has to learn. He has to understand that Defense is going to be what separates him from a really talented player to a star. He does have the capability to be a star, but he needs to do it on both ends. And the Nuggets need to feel confident with him on both ends to keep him on the floor. I do understand why there is some some definite uh, concerns with introducing Porter back into this group. But it has to start with him. It has to start with the, the defensive locked-in ability. And if he can stay locked in, if he can be impactful because he is focused, that's a really good sign. If he can't, then you probably just got to trade him. Like if, if, if you can't find a way to play defense with Murray and Jokic and Porter, then you got to figure out a way that you can play defense with somebody else. And you got to maximize your trade chips, got to maximize your talent. Maximizing your talent means playing Porter. Um, I don't know what happens if if they can't maximize it because that's a it's a really tough conversation. He has to play some with the starters and some with the bench. The Murray Jokic offense it's always going to take precedence. That's always going to be a situation that Denver needs to figure out. Uh, how does Murray Jokic and Porter work? Where does Porter stand? Where does Porter get his touches? Can he be within a system and still be excellent? I think you could average a high number of points just playing within the within the Murray Jokic system. But there are some ways to give him some extra touches. And by staggering him with the bench at times, you give him an opportunity where maybe he gets an isolation touch. Maybe he gets a, a pick-and-pop opportunity with Monte Morris. Maybe Murray and Jokic, uh, they get off the floor and, and you've got Campazzo, you've got Morris, you've got Dozier. Three guards, just put Porter at the power forward and Green at center, and then play five out. Uh, pick and pop game. Uh, open up the floor, see if you can run, see if you can take advantage of the size difference with the opposing team likely being bigger, and then you can figure it out. There are ways to do this. There are ways to make this work, and, and I think that Porter is going to come back and he's going to be better than a lot of people realize. He'll still have those outbursts with points. Uh, he'll have improved rebounding numbers from 
what I believe, but he's going to need to really invest in that defensive end, and Denver's going to need to invest in opportunities to help him on the defensive end. And they may have to do that with changing the starting lineup. They may have to do that with shifting around defensive schemes. They've already asked Murray and Jokic to do more defensively. Uh, Murray has taken a step back in recent days on the defensive end. He's got to re- reassess himself. He's got to uh, reinvest himself, actually. That's the better word. Uh, Jokic has been great. Can't ask any more of him. Porter should follow his lead because if the best player on the team can invest themselves defensively, uh, the guy who is responsible for everything offensively, if he can invest himself defensively, Porter can too. Porter's got to fly around. He's got to do the things that are necessary in order to win games. I think he can do it, but it's got to come from him. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Leaving a five-star review would be awesome. I would genuinely appreciate it. Uh, If you've listened this far, thank you very much. We're going to have more podcasts throughout the week. If you're looking for a recap of the previous game, look to the Pickaxe podcast with Zach Mikosh from Monday. That was really good. Uh, But before then, we'll just uh, just have a grand old time. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys very soon.